I really like watching movies like this where it's like they had a really great idea, but they knew that they didn't need to make another one. And so they never did, you know? Sure, sure. Just like Transformers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, didn't need a single other one. Mm-hmm. Though I would say that trans comparing Transformers and Pacific Rim is actually really rude. <laughs> it's not very nice. It's not a very nice thing to do to Pacific Rim. Is it? It's kind of Same rude. Thing. And also, Robots in the sky. what I saw of Bumblebee was pretty good. Did I get a little bored of it? Yes. Did I think it had a, a chance to be a good movie? Mostly because Justin Thoreau was voicing one of the bad guy robots? Yes. Yes, I did. We'll come back to it. We'll check it out one day. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our movie library from A to Z. This week we watched Guillermo del Toro. Wow. That's a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was trying I was trying to do like the Arlo Guthrie thing where he's doing what? the drill sergeant. He's like, This is our master, seven, seven, six, thought of eight, eight, forms. It just becomes gibberish eventually. But not quite gibberish. But I can't quite pull it off. Because I'm not Arlo Guthrie. This is Pacific Rim. We talked about Pacific... We're talking <laughs> about Pacific Rim. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we watched it. We're going to talk about it. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's one with of... robots. Yes. It's a movie with giant robots. The monsters that we built to fight the monsters that were coming through the rift. It's a movie from the Obama era, which Woo. hurt me to realize, oh, yes. Not that long ago. It was ten years like ago. five years ago? It came out, it, it, this summer it will have come out ten years ago. Okay. I mean, a lot of things have come out ten years ago at this point. I mean. We're at that age. Wait, no. Hmm? Sorry, I was thinking 2012. Wow. No, not ten years. Why do I think this, why did I think this came out in 2012? I don't know. I think it came out in 2013. It It just came out in 2013. That is the same thing. So this summer it'll be nine years. Wow, okay, sure. Sure. Anyway. It's just just weird because, well, you mentioned mentioned Transformers in the intro. (laughs) And there is a clip of Obama in the second Transformers movie, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Why? And it's, well, because this was a thing in movies at the time was you... Edit in a clip of a clip of Obama commenting on something of national significance. Oh my gosh! It's a thing. It's a thing that happens in movies. And like you, you, you edit in a clip of the current U.S. president. The first Transformers movie, there was a bit where it was supposedly George W. Bush there, and you never actually see his face, but you hear the Texas accent at one point. <laughs> That's a bit in the first Transformers movie. Presidents. They're in movies, sometimes. There's a whole hall of them at Disney World. An entire hall of presidents. What if we did a hall of Jaegers instead? That'd be cool. That'd be better. I think I think that a new wing should open at Epcot, and it should just be giant robots. I mean, the Guardian stuff is going to be cool. Yeah, but is it going to be Guillermo del Toro giant robots? I don't know. I haven't seen it No, yet. it's not. <laughs> there are no giant robots in Guardians of the not Galaxy. Not yet. 
Guardians of the Galaxy isn't mecha anime. This is this is very clearly inspired by mecha anime. What I didn't realize when I was reading a book earlier this year called Iron Widow is that it was basically uh, Pacific Rim fan fiction. Well, okay, if crossed you read with the, if other you, old manga, if stuff you read the acknowledgments, it's, it's actually anime? kind of a take on like a more current mecha anime called Darling in the Franks. Which is an anime that I'm not current really interested in watching, frankly. Oh. But this, but this is a concept that's been around forever. It's like the more in sync that pilots are, the better they can pilot their giant mecha when they fuse together. But you know, typically, typically what happens is you see more like people pilot individual like robots, and then they fuse into one giant robot, a what Voltron. If, what if? That was, like, a requirement for being a regular pilot. You had to, like, sync up your energies, and you had to be, like, compatible. <laughs> I mean... Like, they probably just throw two pilots together. Like, one's the regular pilot, one's the backup pilot. That's how it works, right? Well, I mean, that's kind of the entire concept of a wingman, isn't it? Is that you fly in pairs and support each other. You realize that wingman isn't just a thing that single guys do, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, a thing... Huh. From, yeah. Wow. It's a concept Learning explored in the movie day. Top Gun, which we need to watch. Oh my gosh, do we? I think we really do. Mm. I think we really, really do. Once we get through the alphabet, maybe. <laughs> this uh, movie is about sea monsters that attack cities. It's called Kaiju, which is specifically a reference to Japanese kaiju films. A la Godzilla. Big monsters. Big giant monster come from ocean, wreck up, wreck shop in a city. Which, like, humans think they're so important. Like, monster gonna pop out of the sea and immediately start tearing down your buildings? I don't know, man. Like... Well, if the monster is... Com- is It might just walk around for a little bit and be like, what is this? Like, not necessarily, like, swiping left and right, like, the buildings and toppling them over. Well, you see, the entire point of Godzilla, of the kaiju concept, was it was a reaction to nu- to nuclear warfare and nuclear power. Didn't Godzilla save them, though, eventually? So, having not seen the original Godzilla movie, I can't really answer it for those, like, the old school Godzilla movies. But in the current Godzilla movies, yes. Yes. He's our friend. Godzilla <laughs> is a force, is, is, is a representative representative of nature and he represents balance is kind of the concept in the, yeah in like jurassic park life finds a way no. i kind of got those vibes here too with, with like charlie day's character when he goes and like finds the different pieces of the kaijus yes and then he like tries to sync with it like with his mind or whatever yeah i would argue there's like three main character arcs in this movie which is you got mako you got Raleigh. That's that's Charlie. No, no, no. Raleigh is who? Who's Raleigh? Who's Ra- the main Australian guy? No. Who's Raleigh? Raleigh's the Raleigh's the main dude. Other than the main dude, other than Charlie, huh? Char- oh, Charlie Hunt. Oh, I thought you were talking about Charlie Day. No. Oh, there's too many. Charlies. There's two Charlies I see, I in this movie. Okay. There's Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. There's blonde Charlie, and there's Brun. To be fair, I kind of say like hello. <laughs> <laughs> and something Charlie else. Hunnam. Hunnam. The motorcycle man. Motorcycle man, yes. Isn't this set like in the two thousand like the twenty twenties or something? Did uh, I read the numbers wrong? No, I don't think you did. 
I think it's or, or like the twenty thirties maybe. No, I think it's it, something close to the current time. I think twenty twenty is when the first is when is when uh we the first battle that we see yeah, happens. Yeah. So that's when and the Beckett, it's like the Beckett five brothers years fight. Later, right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's always uh, weird, like uh like those eighties movies that happen in like the twenty twenties and like <laughs> all that weird stuff. It's. Except that this is a movie that was set in... Tw- the, the concept, I guess, was that the first Jaeger attack or kaiju attack happened in 2013. Like, in the year that the movie came out. <laughs> and it's like, no, you guys just got the apocalypse a little bit wrong. Well, it's just you know? like, why do we have to put timelines on stuff? Like, we wouldn't have to say the date. We could You could just be this futuristic society and then do, like, five years later. Like, I feel like dating things really kind of ruins things, like... As the film gets older sometimes. No, I don't think so. Because in 2009... In, because, you know, last year I looked outside and it did look just like Blade Runner. No, in Tokyo, maybe. No, no, Not no, no. no. I, I went to this bar called Little Trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. There is something very... I don't know. Very Del Toro's version of the human spirit and love of design that is... You know what the obvious solution to fighting monsters? Robots. Yes. <laughs> it's it's very it it feels a lot like just a, a a tribute to movies that Del Toro loved, and like series and stuff like that, which is fun. It makes me very happy. Like it's like you talk about like. I feel like the Charlie Day character is almost like a self insert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the monster obsession. Yeah. It's just perfect. Yeah. And I love it. Do you think do you think if we were pressed we could build giant robots that walk around? Absolutely. We can buy we can build spaceships, we can build giant robots. Like what? Okay, we could build spaceships, but our our rockets still like explode on the it's pad just, a just, lot. It, I mean, hey, robot safer, maybe. Robot safer, maybe? <laughs> the part where we have problems making is the weird conductive energy stuff in the, the basically magic part oh, of oh, it. Oh, you mean like creating a creating a telepathic connection between yeah, two humans yeah, yeah, using... Yeah, that, that's probably the hard part, yeah. Yeah, Other I mean... Other stuff we can make, I'm sure. Well, you could create a simulation of that, kind of. I mean, the, 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 the problem is reading memories that is... Yeah. Is what it's doing. It's, it's it's like reading each other's memories, basically, and existing in the same space and it completely yeah, it's in sync. Pretty much magic plus energy. Magic plus energy. <laughs> so that part we might we probably don't have that yet. You don't think so? I don't know. Maybe somewhere underground they don't want to say anything about it. But I mean, we might have the Inception technology already. Oh my god! If we have the Inception technology, it's basically then we're doomed. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> We're all gonna mansplain everything to everyone. <laughs> okay, three three main plot lines: Charlie Hunnam and Mako Mori. That's that's a plot. That's one plot line. You've got the Mako Stacker Pentecost relationship. That's plot line number two. Mm-hmm. And you've got the scientist plot line number three. And what about Idris Elba? Idris Elba is Stacker is Pentecost. Of- that's the name of his character, Stacker okay. Pentecost. Okay. I don't think they ever... I don't remember that. They say that multiple times. Okay. Marshall Pentecost. Well, the names are not super logical in this one. They're Del Toro names. They're difficult. For 
for me. I mean... Is there... This is a very flashy movie, too. You got Raleigh Beckett, you got Mako Mori, you got Stacker Pentecost. And then you got the Australian people. Chuck and Herc. <laughs> and the little bulldog. The little bulldog. The bulldog is pretty great. He the, was great. <laughs> and then you got Newt is the name of Charlie Day's character. Mm. And the one played by the one Welsh guy who plays villains in a lot of things. Whose name I forget constantly. Perfect. Burn Gorman. Burn Gorman is the name of this it's man. Not, it doesn't roll it's, off. It's the, the name tongue. of his. It's his the the actual person's human tongue. name. It's not his character name. I cannot remember his character name. Now I think that this movie is maybe okay. This Guillermo has great production design and great set design. Mm-hmm. He's great at that entire thing. I don't think his camera work is some is very interesting. Like I don't think the camera work on a Guillermo del Toro movies has ever like blown me away. You know, is that part of his job though? Isn't As the director, the director, he does set the visual tone of the movie and just and like sets up shots and stuff like that. I mean, he doesn't hold the camera though. No, no, but he is behind it. Like he's directing the guy. Okay, but... <laughs> I mean. What there's a lot of like the thing white panorama shot kind of steals. Yeah, the like, thing what? that I really like aerial shots. There's a thing that he does with the um that they do with the Jaeger kaiju fights, where it's almost like a simulated handheld camera mm-hmm. because yeah. it's not actually a handheld camera unless it's being held on the same like scale. You mean the robots aren't real? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. I also like the concept of, yes, if we fight these sea monsters on the bottom of the ocean, we probably lose unless we resort to actual nuclear warheads. Oof. Like, because, you know, they swim. These robots do not. They walk. Yeah. Like, I... But I, it does lead to that really great shot of... um striker blowing up and then the water being completely blown away from the bottom of the ocean from the sheer force yeah 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 (laughs) that i think that's one of the cooler things um performance wise i think everyone does a pretty good job getting a hand on the ball even if that one guy cannot do an australian accent very well to save his (laughs) life every time he says raleigh it's like what's happening here Tell me what exactly is happening here, actually. <laughs> well, you know, Charlie Hunnam spent, you know, years perfecting his uh, biker gang accent. So. His California accent. <laughs> Terror. We had to build the monsters ourselves. <laughs> In the drift, there is no... Uh, you'll find me in the drift, Mako. We're drift compatible. <laughs> but i think it is a very del toro kind of feeling to be like you know what these robots actually run on is love (laughs) genuinely genuinely that's what it is right what what 
it's the bond between the two pilots that makes the robots go. So, like, you have the married couple Russians. You have the triplet. Yeah, the brothers. Yeah, the triplet Chinese Chinese boys. Yeah. And you, the father-son team. Like, and, like, Stacker brings nothing into the drift, which is why he's able to, like, have a, to, like, pilot with Chuck. I think it's Chuck. Yeah, Herc's the dad, Chuck's the son. It's just, and it's a very, that's kind of one of those things that Del Toro in a lot of his work brings up, which is like, yes, love is the most powerful thing and the thing that should be our guiding light. Yeah, there's also the one traumatic incident per <laughs> per movie <laughs> where the son had to die. He, he didn't. Yeah, they blew up the robot. Well, yeah. I mean, every single person had trauma going in. Like, they all lost people. And, like, that's no, kind of like what motivated. No, like, he died during... Yes, yes, no, I agree. I agree, but, I mean, there's tragedy... Yes, there's tragedy in all of his movies, but I think it motivates things differently. Though I guess it is a... Hands Labyrinth, which we're about to talk about soon. Ooh, yes. It'll be interesting to be able to do these two back-to-back to see, like, what core themes carry over. Yeah, maybe we should just go ahead and do the Fish movie, too. No. <laughs> No, we'll do that one in S, where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Right, right with Not, Black Swan. You see, I think the thing is, I think we got spoiled by Greta Gerwig, both of her movies starting with L and happening to be right next to each other. So we were able to just be like, well, we're going to talk about her entire filmography right here, <laughs> you know? And now it's like, oh, we coincidentally have another director where it's back to back and it's not in the same series. So we can actually talk about his oeuvre. Even though Pan's Labyrinth is first. His eggs? Yes, his eggs. Pan's Labyrinth is the first egg that he laid, and pa- Pacific Rim is the second one. Wait, really? What does Ovra of, mean? The, his body of work. That's what Ovra... But what is... I don't know the literal translation. Isn't it French? Don't you know French? I knew French at some point. You forgot it all? I mean, I haven't forgotten all of it. Doesn't I know it sound some like eggs, it. though? Oof is egg. Oof. Oh. Yeah, that's the same thing to me. No, two entirely different things. <laughs> one has an F, one has a V and an R. Mm. They're two entirely different things. Sure. Del Toro's boy is in this one, though. Ron Perlman. Yeah. Also part of the motorcycle gang. <laughs> also part of the motorcycle gang. The thing that bumps me out is that the Ron Perlman character is the one character that gets a resurrection at the end of the credits... And he is not the character that deserves to get the resurrection at the end of the credits. Who does? The other pilots! <laughs> I It bums me out so much. They introduce Cherno Alpha. And they introduce... The, like, the Russian and Chinese Jaegers are so friggin' cool. You know, the Russian one, which is made to look like a nuclear cooling tower, which is amazing. And then combined, they basically just have less than two minutes... Of screen of like actual battle time, yeah. They just get demolished, and mm-hmm. like, what's the point of them being like the? Le- I mean, I get. <sighs> okay. I get that the point of it is like, yes, we are vastly outnumbered, and the odds are awful and terrible. But it feels like a pacing mistake almost. Yeah, and I don't think it. <sighs> okay. I guess the point is supposed to be like, 
the drift between Raleigh and Mako is so strong. Their bond is so strong that they're able to pull this off where these veterans weren't able to. But also, like, what's the point of building up these people as so skilled and so awesome at their jobs to then just kill them? Yeah, it's like a world-building speed run. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like... I guess you can see the grounds that Guillermo del Toro was, like, laying for a sequel, which, you know, mm-hmm. never got made. <laughs> well, not by him, anyway. Yeah, or or anyone. I think we have the internet here. So no, we do know no, there's, there's, a there's no... I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. There was not, never not funny. a second Pacific Rim movie. Yes, yes, there was. And if there was one, it definitely didn't have Clint Eastwood's son and John Boyega in it. It I did. didn't know Clint Eastwood had a son. Scott Eastwood. Baby Eastwood. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If he's you look probably at, old then, huh? He's in like his 30s or 40s now. He was in the first Suicide Squad movie. Hmm. He was the one who was like questioning Joel Kinnaman's leadership, I'm pretty sure. Which, you know, his mistake. Bad movie. Very bad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, did you look up Scott Eastwood or Clint Eastwood's son? Scott, you said his name was Scott. Oh, okay, okay. He's pretty good looking. He's aight. He looks kind of like, uh... Well, in this photo, anyway, like the guy from Outlander. He does kind of look like the guy from Outlander. Like like the American version, I guess. Anyway, there's no second movie and he's not in it. If, okay, yeah. sure. Alright, hmm. whatever. And honestly... This this may be blasphemy to, like, the Tumblr girlies who were deeply into Pacific Rim at the time. I think that the scientist's plot is a weak point. It No, it is. It absolutely is. Like I enjoy it just because it's there. Yeah. But it wasn't much like the other um, Jaegers. It wasn't very well fleshed out exactly like there's there's like a lot of they stuffed a little too much into the movie almost it feels mm-hmm. like i love this movie it's a fun watch but there's stuff that like watching it now nine years later i can sort of see like where it wasn't like it's almost like it wasn't completely done you know mm-hmm. visually absolutely done the mako and raleigh stuff absolutely done There is also, like, I also want to rebut a common complaint that I saw about this movie back in the day. Which is, why did they wait so long to use the sword? What? (laughs) That was a complaint. It's like, if you had, if the Jaeger had the sword the whole time, why didn't it just use it from the beginning? (laughs) I don't know that it did have it the whole time, though. Well, the... The implication is that Mako, in restoring uh, G Danger, installs the sword onto it. Okay, well. And but but the the argument is that they should have been using the sword from the beginning of the fight. Mm. It's like if it's a super mega awesome sword, why not just use it the whole time? And it's like because it's a movie. <laughs> because it makes drama- You pull out the best weapon when the dramatic moment is right, and that was it for it. We don't need to hand wave it away with like. Peep with like, oh, you know, too much energy consumption or something like that. Or like, or like in Star Wars. Like in Star Wars, when people complain about Holdo hyper jumping into the uh, First Order Dreadnought. 
When they complain yeah, about that hyperspace we're ramming. We're going to have to pretend like in, we knew exactly what... In The Last Jedi? In The Last Jedi? A hold, when, whatever a holdo when Laura, is. When Laura Dern... When Laura Dern oh, okay, rams, okay. rams the dreadnought at hyperspeed. Oh. And it's like the visually beautiful moment... But then the first thing that happened afterwards is everyone was like, well, why couldn't they do that the whole time? They've been doing that the whole time. You know what? (laughs) Shut up. Sounds like you might need to go to the concession stand and get a little bit of a breather here. Listen, I'm trying. Hi, I'm Brittany, and I have a bachelor's degree in film and television. And I'm Jessica, and I have a bachelor's degree in equine studies. What would happen if we put our heads together? We would come up with the new best worst horse movie. Like a movie where a horse is the best hard-boiled detective the city has ever seen. Or a movie where horses are fighting in the front lines in a space war. We're doing just that here at Cult Classics, a new show on the Pocket Podcast Network. Join us every other Monday for good horses, bad plots, and all the bad horse movies you never knew you needed in your life okay so like i've said a lot i obviously viewed this movie through like nostalgia glasses mm-hmm. i think i made you watch it at least once or twice before this right yeah i mean i think we watched it in like whatever year i think i saw it by myself in the theater actually or Ooh. like with my dad dark because this is this is when i was living with my parents for a little while is when it came out oh yeah then yeah Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't see it in the theater then. And I think I wanted to convince you to go to the theater. They weren't playing that at Cine. So. And I could not convince you to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And I definitely made you watch it when I bought the DVD, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think you were like, it's fine. Yeah. I think that's always been your reaction to and it. And that's still kind of my reaction too. <laughs> <laughs> like, now I can appreciate more of the actors, I guess. Yeah. But other than that... It, it's a little flat. Like, and I like what they're trying to do, and I like that the, you know, the girl was, like, the, you know, arguably, like, the most powerful, like, fighter there. Yeah, Yeah, Mako. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But really, I don't know, even watching her, like, flashbacks this time, I was like, this is kind of (laughs) meh. Like, a lot of it just seems really half-baked, and, like, they kind of stuck it all together to make one big movie. Some of it. I can't tell if they're imitating or if they've been imitated, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess part of it is, like, we don't really know a lot of the, you know, context. But I also think that this movie, like, I don't know, it had a big impact in certain spaces, in certain, like, creative spaces. Mm -hmm. Like, there was absolutely, like... In, in, like, fandom and fanfic spaces, there, like, Pacific Rim alternate universe like art and fan fiction became a thing Mm -hmm. you drew like your characters as like jaeger pilots and like Mm -hmm. designed their jaeger and stuff like that and came up with like the names for everything like this idea of drift compatibility i mean this is i think a fairly it's a fairly recent thing at least in western media this yeah this concept like it was it kind of changed the game a little bit and i think it led to like because it was kind of a new way of being like Oh, these people literally <coughs> are so, they have this new and different form of relationship. And it doesn't have to be romantic or, plato- or platonic yeah. or familial. It can be any form of relationship reflected here. Yeah. Which is no, what's so fascinating. I think the best impact that it had was the world building part of it that like didn't exist before. It also was like, you we, we joke about Transformers a little bit. 
But Transformers was so, like, gross, like, frat macho in a certain way. No, it absolutely was. It was, like, half the time was, half of the movie is dick jokes. Like, oh, you're talking about the movie. I thought you meant, like, Oh, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about, like, I was like, I was thinking, like, kids in the 80s. Like, what? Not in general. I'm talking about the Michael Bay Transformers movies, which were, like, the standard for giant robot action. Yeah. And then you have this, which is so damn wholesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's a fault of it because it's so wholesome. Well, I think it's literally, it's a nice counter narrative to, oh, we're all so individually unique and we have to do this on our own and shoulder burden on our own. Yeah. It's like a counter to that hyper macho like hero narrative of... No, actually, coming together and working through with love is what's going to save us. Mm-hmm. And looking at, like, looking for ideas in, like, unexpected places and stuff and trusting our guts and, like, doing research. It's, I don't know. There's something nice about it. It's also very arguably about climate change, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Day's character literally his job in the coal mines or whatever. <laughs> well, it's not the coal mines. He's working on a wa- he's working on a seawall, which same thing. Same thing. Same idea. Charlie, D- and then there's Charlie Day's character who's like, <laughs> so, no. we made the atmosphere perfect for them with all our pollution. Good news <laughs> or bad news? Someone fell off the wall. Good news. There's a new job open. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's definitely a critique of some of of not a very well fleshed out one. Late capitalist. It's 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 a lit. It's it's fun more than anything, though. I think mm-hmm. I think it's a movie that wanted to be fun and was fun and like sure it has some like serious moments in it and like emo- and like attempts at like raw emotion in a few places, but it's never like maudlin. You know, it just works. On that, on those levels. Yeah. So yeah. With that in mind, how do we want to rate it? Jaegers, of course. Jaegers, okay. You or Jaeger pilots. I don't know. You go first. Um, I think three point two. Wow. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I'm bad. Yeah, I, you know, I I committed to my rating before you said what yours was. Okay. Uh, three. No. Okay, mine's two point eight. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> no, I'm like right at three. Yeah, it's a middle of the road. Because I because I think I was definitely viewing it through like nostalgia glasses coming in, and this this happens a lot with these kind of movies. Is that my <laughs> my rating will go down when I'm like because. I mean, I'm gonna say it. It's not. It's not Del Toro's best work. It is no. very fun. An earlier one, though. I, well, no. no. He's been doing stuff what since the Pan's '90s. This is after Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh, the '90s. Yeah. What are you doing in the '90s? Chronos, which you need to watch. Um, and then of course, you know, there's. I think I like this better than I Wait, having watched didn't you Hellboy. Do Hellboy. Yeah, and Hellboy oh, okay. too. I, I think saw I, some of Hellboy. It was pretty good. I saw all of the first Hellboy and some of Hellboy 2. I'd like to finish Hellboy 2 at some point. I like this better than the Hellboy movies, I think. Well, we've already discussed what we're going to be watching next week. It's Pan's Labyrinth. 
maybe sometime in between then we are gonna get a chance to watch nightmare alley and we can like at least talk a little bit about it like maybe we haven't watched it yet i know so we're gonna watch that at some point you know it's it's up for uh it's up for best picture now oh wow but not best director or best actor poor bradley Uh oh yeah. Well, can't, can't say anything about that yet. He didn't, he, didn't, see. he didn't get nominated for Licorice Pizza either. And people were really Ooh. thinking he would get that best supporting on that one. It's just, it's oh, just man, like... Oh, man, we didn't see Licorice Pizza either. It's like Bradley Cooper doesn't exist this year. Ooh. It's weird and sad. He's trying real hard. He's been bad. trying for He's years. been trying real hard. We're part of the Pocket Podcast Network. <laughs> Other shows include Pokemakers. No Dice. Sorted. Lots of other shows. Yeah, check them all out on pocketpodcastnetwork.com. It is .com, right? Yeah. Yep. Just just Google it. <laughs> it's in your pocket anyway. It's fine. It is in your pocket. You can find us on literally any place that you listen to podcasts. And when you do find us, why not drop us a nice little review? That would be good. You can only do that on one platform, and that is the apples. And if you're willing to, if you're willing to do that on Apple, then more power to you. So, help us out. Do that. It is pocketpodcastnetwork.com. That's what I was trying <laughs> to find out this whole time. Our theme music is by the Oregon Machines. Yes, featuring our good friend Chris, who's my co-host on Them's the Facts. Oh, by the way. His dog started a band. Yeah, it's called Lorenzo and Co. <laughs> and his dog's band has their first single out now and a music video. It's called Our Secret. Just uh, search for Our Secret Lorenzo and Co. on any music platform and check it out. So, until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. This has been Home Viewing. Don't buy any more DVDs. Nobody looks at it that way but you oh, We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Saying it, I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket